shall we dive in? Yes. All right. I'm not going to get a chance to record an intro this week, I don't think. So, welcome to Poetry Says. My name's Alice. This is the true crime, parenting, veganism, <laughs> and how to be an ultimate girl boss podcast that you've all been missing in your life. Welcome. We are here with Eleanor. Hi. Uh, who, uh, when did, we, we talked in November when I was quite crazy and you were less crazy than I was. Yes. And everyone just loved what you had to say, particularly about the fact that nobody reads poetry journals. <laughs> <laughs> Which obviously was an overstatement. Yeah. Some people read them occasionally. Um, is it fair to say that since then, your relationship with poetry has been somewhat fraught? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Um, I think actually it took a deep dive. Yeah, it seems like it. But I would say now I'm on the up and up. Okay. And I see things quite, I see things quite differently, actually. You're back together. <laughs> yes. <laughs> We're going to try it one more time. <laughs> Can't live with it. Can't, Can't live, live without, without it. it. Oh, wow. Okay. So let me take you back to the time when things weren't so good. <laughs> When things were falling apart, why? Because you said to me at some point, I can't remember exactly when this was, but you said, I don't even know if I like poetry anymore. And it's not like I was worried. (laughs) There was was part of me that was like, I don't know anyone who likes poetry more than you do, Eleanor. Like, I literally don't know anyone who cares as deeply about poetry in, in the way that you do, you know. Yeah, when you said that to me, like, oh, don't, you know, like, I don't know anyone. I, I, that actually gave me a huge boost because I thought, oh, okay, maybe I'm actually not seeing things um, in the best light. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think what happened was that I thought to myself, oh, okay, so I love poetry. Now, when people love something, they are drawn to, to, to it. So if you love reading prose, you read a lot of prose, you love reading, you, you don't question it. Um, and so I question myself because if I lo- like, show me the money, sort of like, show me, show me how it, it's sort of like prove your love. Like it's okay. Okay. Let's take the relationship <laughs> metaphor a, a step further. I can't believe we got to Jerry Maguire already. <laughs> You know all of my, you know all of my film references. <laughs> I love that. It's you know, you you say you love me, but you never want to spend time with me. Um, you don't call me for weeks on end. Um, you seem to be much more interested in A, B, C, D, and E. Um, and so that's how I was. That was the conversation I was having in my head. Mm-hmm. You know. Maybe I don't like poetry because I'm not reading it a lot. And um, at the same time, I was getting into, um, I was I was getting into reading prose, and I was getting into uh, booktube and watching booktubers, and they were all so enthusiastic. They read maybe 
you know, five to seven books a week. What? Yes. I don't believe that. Um, I, I swear it is the case. And there are booktubers out there who are, they, they not only love reading, they love, for example, a certain kind of book. Mm. So they love uh, books in translation, translated into English. Or they love following uh, prizes. So they'll follow the Booker Prize, they'll read everything on the long list, and then they'll reread whatever's on the short list. And they, they are motivated and then enthusiastic. And so, okay, here I am. I quote unquote love poetry. Okay. Eleanor, when was the last time you read a book of poetry? Okay, never. <laughs> um, and I don't think, and, and also I thought to myself, not good enough to read a poem once in a while on the internet. Not good enough. No. If you, if you love poetry, you go and you find out like, who's, what book has just come out. Which, who's your favorite poet now in the contemporary English poetry writing world and I didn't know so I thought okay let's um, let's challenge myself so while I was starting to read much more prose I started to kind of wander into the poetry section uh, sometimes and um, and pushing myself and I'm beginning I have to say I'm definitely beginning to get a a feel of what's happening in the world in the marketplace of of poetry right now you know like you look at the like you might go and look at what's you know what's the best selling uh books you know, new york times list or or dimmox you know anywhere mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so sort of that with poetry as well which is much harder to discover it's much harder to find you can't also reserve these books. They don't come into the library, so it's much more expensive. You know, if you want to, if you want the latest copy of, um, you know, what's a, what's the latest book that everyone is talking about? Jennifer Egan's Candy House that has just come out. So you can reserve it in the library. Within a couple of weeks, you're going to be able to get it. Everyone's going to want to read it. It might have a, li- you know, a reservation list, but there's nothing like that for poetry. So you have to, you do have to spend some money. And so I've started doing that and I've discovered a couple of um, new poets that I uh, really love. But I've also come up to, <laughs> to uh, what at first was a very, a, terrib- a terribly difficult brick wall that I couldn't get past. Mm. And I call it the Ocean Vuong phenomenon. <laughs> I, I, I know you didn't realize this, Alice. I, I haven't prepared for any of this. Okay. Already, just public libraries, first of all, have just been completely detonated. But, <laughs> but okay, keep going. Oh, God, I'm covering my eyes. <laughs> I, want, I want to understand the, who, who is writing poetry nowadays? Who are they writing it for? And who is the most popular and why? Without being an asshole critic about it. Just like I would want to know about a prose book that's just come out. I want to know, oh, okay, you know, this book is marketed to, you know, like maybe Ann Tyler just came out with a, 
um, with a book called, uh, what is it called, French Braid. Okay, so you can see from the front cover that it's uh, mostly marketed towards uh, probably women, probably women of a certain age, uh, not, not, you know, probably middle-aged, uh, Mother's Day is coming up, you know, it's being put out there, whatever. So what's, what's that, the comparison? What is the, the parallel with the poetry world? And so suddenly I see Ocean Vuong has just come out with this new book, um, Time is a Mother. And I was absolutely flabbergasted because take away from the equation um, any critique, any review from the academy or from journalists or from reviewers of, you know, uh, newspapers, Take all of that out of the equation. Who is he writing for? Who is buying the book? Who loves the book? And which parts of the community are, uh, is he lauded by? And so I went and put my money where my mouth is and I went to my local independent bookstore and I bought his book and it's a beautiful penguin hardback. It's a, it's a beautifully presented book of poems. Yeah, it's pretty. Yeah, and next to it, um, another uh, book that sort of jumped out at me was um, by, uh, it had come out earlier, a few months earlier at the end of last year, um, a book by Warson Shearer, Bless the Daughter Raised by a Voice in Her Head. That's a cool title. So cool. So I picked that up as well. Well, what do you know? She's also really popular. I mean, obviously. So the, here are these two books. I see these are unicorns, unicorns in the poetry world. They are both, actually, I think they were both born in the same year. They're both 30 odd, like early 30s. Um, and they both have this huge following. And they, they have both also been lauded outside the fan base. So Ocean Wong, he's an associate professor at, uh, at an American university, I forget which, maybe Amherst, I think. And um, he, he, he's an adored professor. Um, Wilson Shearer, her fan base, as far as I can tell, has primarily come because she was brought to the fore through uh, by Beyonce. Beyonce chose her to write some poems for Lemonade and a few of the other videos. So suddenly everyone was like, oh, where are these poems coming from? Oh, Warson Shearer. Oh, okay. She's a British, she's a, a black, uh, originally Somali, daughter of refugees, in, brought up, living in London. So she, wa she became the first um, young poet laureate of London. Big honor. Mm. So they have a fan base of the cool kids and they're also people in the know are choosing them. Uh, far be it from me to, you know, go, oh, you know, poetry. Eh, what is this poetry? You know, let's, <laughs> let's, let's pay the money, buy the books, read them many times and think about it. Well, and but it sounds, hang on, hang on. But it sounds like you didn't want to like you had to get yourself to do this a hundred percent i didn't want to a hundred percent i didn't why want didn't to. you want to because this is not my kind of poetry mm -hmm. it's not personally it's not my kind of poetry what is your kind of poetry my my kind of poetry is um is uh, not 
obviously biographical at all. I like it to be odd and mysterious. I'll tell you what, I'll tell you what my favorite book of contemporary poetry is right at this moment. Mm. Um, I know I, I, I texted you about it. Emily Berry, another British writer, she just came out with a poetry book, I think a month ago, called Unexhausted Time. Oh, yes. Love it. Yeah, you, but you've always liked Emily Berry, haven't you? I, I did, yeah. I did. Mm. Um, uh, this one blew me out of the water, though. Yeah, great. There's something about it. The more I read it, the, the more I like it. So, okay, so, I, but I want to find out what's happening because with prose, that's what I'm doing with prose. I'm reading out of my comfort zone. If you don't read out of your comfort zone, you become a really boring person. I mean, so yeah. you so you decided to read those these two books, mm. um, despite the fact that they that you knew that they were going to be not to your liking. And so, what was your initial response to both of them? Were you bored? I was extremely frustrated. In what way? Um, I felt like an outsider to the poetry community. Yeah. I really felt like I, I don't even understand what's happening. <laughs> and that's what you were, I think we were talking about it a little bit. And that's where I was like, wait a minute. Like, you, just because you don't like this stuff doesn't mean that you've missed a memo. Like, um, yeah. You're allowed to have your own taste. Yes, uh, but that's not really what I was struggling with. Okay. It wasn't so much, I don't like this, but I should like it. It wasn't that. Mm -hmm. it, was, I, it was, I really don't understand the reaction that I see, because I did so much research, you know, on social media and videos and things, I, I didn't quite understand the reaction I was seeing. For example, when, the, um, when, the, when Wilson Shira and Ocean Vuong were being interviewed, there was um, an adoration um, from all different people from all walks of life and ages there was a sense that um, he had really touched these people um, emotionally. They were moved and he had made a difference to their life. And with Warson Shearer, there was a sense that she was giving strength and energy um, and a certain amount of love to young women um, and older women who saw their past through her work. And I thought, I want to understand that. And I want to feel closer to it. It's not that I wanted to get to a point where I was the same as them. You can't, everyone likes what they like. But I certainly wanted to understand what psychologically was happening because if these two poets are able to reach this wide audience and have that effect, then it, that means I do still love poetry. I don't think that follows. <laughs> I, 
I definitely think it does because I'll tell you what, it, you have to, let me try to explain maybe further. Okay, okay. Um, the beauty of any kind of literature to me is that you step outside of yourself to meet the work on its own terms. You don't meet the work with your ego inflated, okay? So an example of that, which I only uh, came to, something I only came to terms with recently is this idea of the Instagram poets and the cynicism. I didn't like the person I was becoming. A cynical bitch, you know, rolling her eyes. What the hell is this? These young people, they don't know what they're doing. This isn't poetry. So then, okay. Let's take that ego, let's put her in the corner, let's let her do some coloring in. <laughs> she likes to do something else. And let's kind of come in and have a look at these. What, what is it? So I watched a documentary on YouTube. I watched a few YouTube videos. I read a little bit and I, and I thought to myself and I saw, I saw that these poets, for the moment I'll call them Instagram poets, that's you know whatever you want to call them are mostly mostly young women why why do we and i didn't come up with this this is something that i saw in a documentary so don't think i'm like you know a genius has come up with this <laughs> why do we and why do i want to hate something that teenage girls or young women love they're not hurting me they're not making any changes to a poetry community that has anything to do with me. They just love what they love. You know, when I was 21, I loved a lot of stuff that now makes me roll my eyes and cringe, but damn, I loved it, I loved it. And how dare you tell me when I'm 20 years old that I shouldn't love the poem that I love? What's it to you? What, what are they, what are these young women doing to you? To, I'm talking about myself, right? Like I'm talk, <laughs> this is me in my mind. So what are they doing to you, Eleanor, that makes you so mean-spirited? They're not even coming out and saying, we are the new poets and we are the best. They're not even, they don't even know about your kind of poetry. They just write from the heart and they touch other people's hearts and they move on. And they keep doing it. And if they can make money out of it, they'll make money out of it. If they can make a community or friends, whatever. There's no harm done. So does that sort of explain my change? It, it, it's, it's taking, you know, I'm not going to say that these Instagram poets should, be, should have their poems studied and university intro to poetry 101 but i'm also trying to <laughs> open myself more you don't want so to fossilize not, is what i'm hearing um no it's not that not because that? see that's interesting because i have a my my friend i have a, a friend who's very different from me like all the way back from high school and she heard me talking 
she, she came to visit me, she lives overseas, she came to visit me and she heard me talking about how I'm watching, you know, YouTube videos about what's the latest being written by 20, 30 year olds. And she, she said to me, wow, you've taken the mid middle age crisis to the next level, Eleanor. Like, oh, this that's is the, really unfair. Like, right? Like, I mean, not like, to like throw shade on your friend, <laughs> but like, like, come on. <laughs> I, I, I really I was really taken aback and so yeah no I don't it's not that it's not that I'm trying to be um, I'm, I'm still very much my own I'm not giving up my own my own love for my own kind of linguistic experimentation that I love in poetry but at the same time I think you have to keep your eyes open because if poetry, the world of poetry is changing now, that's actually really exciting, you know? Um, and if you remain focused on critiquing everything, I I'm just wondering what the objective is. You know, what's the, what's the objective? I, I, I know what my goal is. Uh, my goal was to at least... Um, have read, actually read books that have come out and not just quickly, but spending a lot of time with them. Mm. And uh, I mean, for anyone out there who's interested in, uh, in trying out Ocean Vuong or Warson Shearer, um, they both have incredible um, audios that have come out. And I think they both read you know, very, very well, um, you know, whether it's to your taste or not, that's something else. You know, everyone has a different taste, you know, different opinions about performances. But um, there's, uh, there's a lot of interesting stuff happening. And you, I'm always scared that I'm going to miss out on something because I'm just too critical. I'm too judgmental. And also, you're the least judgmental person I know, like by many orders of magnitude. <laughs> but okay, okay, so a few things. Um, are we saying Instagram poets and Ocean Vong wasn't sure it's same same thing? No, absolutely. It's a different thing. Okay, absolutely just wanted different. to like make that clear. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 No, no, no. Mm. Absolutely different. Okay. hundred percent. Yeah, different genres. Different genres. Okay, that's just wanted to clarify that. Um, I. I totally agree with what you're saying that the poetry world is changing. It's going through big seismic changes. The alternative to that is horrifying, even if it's uncomfortable in the interim, um, because it can be hard to catch up. It can be hard to fully understand. But you always, as long as I've known you since we first studied together, have been the person who will go not just the extra mile, extra 10 miles, to study, to get yourself into somebody else's mind state, to understand why they might write what they write. And like, yeah, so I just, I admire the effort you've gone to. I'm not, I'm just going to be honest with you, I'm not going to go to this effort. <laughs> I'm just not. Oh, like, I know that. <laughs> I barely, I barely can read the stuff I have. I, I can't read the stuff I have already. Um, and Ocean does not need me. Um, but... Uh, <laughs> Here's the, here's the angle on it, though, that I, I'm certain you have considered this, but I think it's worth unpacking. Those two books are very popular and critically acclaimed as well, both 
both at once. They also both have massive marketing machines behind them. Their publishers are big, powerful, they have a lot of money, they have PR people. People who are reviewing them have been sent the book and encouraged to talk about them. So I don't know that we can just say, like there's no meritocratic element, or if there is, it's 10% of, you know, of what's operating here. What do you mean? I mean, like, like, if you put that amount of money behind a book, behind any book, maybe not any book, if you put that amount of money behind a lot of books, a lot of books could have that same impact, I think. Well, I mean, we're talking about publishing, so yeah. uh, that's that's how it always is. Yeah, I yeah, mean, yeah. That's that's yeah. It, like you wouldn't say about a prose book. I take your point. But, I mean, I wouldn't say about a prose book. Like for example, um, there's a, a, a new Australian writer who just came out with a book, and I'm just gonna, um, which I um, really enjoy, Diana Reed. Um, Love and Virtue. So that came out, I think, last year. Her first book. Oh my God, such a good book. So, you know, she she was a university student. She decided to write a book because she had nothing to do during COVID. I mean, God knows the talent of this young woman. And she sent it out and a publisher sees it and and puts it out there. And, And word of mouth. And then a bit of publicity and not very much and you know and I hear about her and her book is out there um, this is how publishing works I mean Ocean Vong I remember when his first book um, uh, Night, Night Sky with Night, yeah, yeah. when that came out um, like I remember I had never you know no one had ever heard of him and he had sent it out thinking no one would ever pick it up and then the publisher just saw it and thought oh no this is good I'll pick it up so this whole argument, I think, is, is, is really, it doesn't make sense to me because that's just how publishing works. Um, on top of that, uh, like if, if you're not connecting with your people, no amount of marketing is going to do it. I'll give you an example of a prose book that got a lot of marketing and it's just the biggest, excuse me, but I will say actually that this is the biggest load of crap you know this book um called the maid oh my god it had the best marketing ever um i couldn't i couldn't read more than a chapter of this book um but it had it it was marketed so well actually i i really love marketing like i i just love it and wow they really had it down pat like they had those little um those little hanging tags that you have on hotel doorknobs like with the name, the maid, you know, um, and all of that stuff. Mm. And, and um, I, I don't hear anything about that book on BookTube. Everyone can see through that Everyone stuff. Everyone just forgot about it. Yeah. yeah. And, and I am aware, absolutely. Actually, I really, I actually was thinking about the incredibly um, awesome marketing of Ocean Vong. I think that's a really good thing, you know. I mean, prose writers have great marketing machines behind them. Why shouldn't poets if they have a market? So what I'm saying is boo-hoo, boo-hoo to all those poets who are writing and saying, oh, but we, I don't have the marketing. You know what? Let me ask you this. If I had those poets here, I'd say, look, 
who are you writing for, mate? Who are you writing for? Yeah, do you have someone you're writing for in mind? Do you have a market in mind? Or are you writing for yourself and a few professors or you know, a couple of reviewers? Because I tell you what, Ocean Rong is writing for these people and he is from the heart. Like if you have gone through a traumatic childhood as a, as a family of refugees, if you've experienced the harassment of being an Asian American, if you are a queer young person who doesn't fit into society, um, you will pick up Ocean Vuong and he will speak to you and he knows who he's writing for. Okay, I'm a middle-aged white woman who lives in Australia. He's not speaking to me and yet I have to admit, um, some of his poems I can really connect to. He's not my thing, but that doesn't matter. Wilson Shearer also happens to be, you know, of a refugee family from Somalia. But with her poetry, what's quite clear to me is she, her poetry is an arrow to the hearts of these young women. And reading her book reminded me absolutely of struggles I went through. And now I have to say nothing at all to do with it. I mean, I had, you know, I had an amazingly easy, privileged existence as a young woman. And yet we all go through, you know, we all go through our stuff. And some of her poems, you know, she referred, one of her poems is called My Loneliness is Killing Me, you know, after the Britney Spears song. I couldn't help but smile when I saw that title. I'm like, oh God, my loneliness <laughs> is killing me. And that poem is actually about her uncle and his loneliness. And I have an uncle and I have seen him, you know, I also have a history of moving countries in a very different way. Um, sure, I don't know what it's like to be a, a black young woman growing up in, you know, in London. But when she titles, uh, when she has in one of her poems, Are You There, God? I immediately remember the Judy Bloom book that I loved called Are You There, God? It's Me, Margaret. And the adult in me is thinking, oh, yes. At the time, I didn't realize, but Margaret is a very white name. And that's a very blonde white girl on the cover of Are You There, Margaret? But then again, I mean, that sense of growing up, going through puberty as a young woman, I could, I could see it touched me in a different way from the way it touches, you know, other women. But these, these are poets who are writing for other people. And then I see these poets who, they have no idea who they're writing for. They're, they feel sorry for themselves. They're really nasty to other people. They're highly critical of anything else that, you know, is at all popular. And their egos are huge and they have no idea what the objective is. What's, what's your goal? I mean, there is, it's, it's fine if your goal is to write a poem that um, your fellow academics will admire. I, I don't look down on that at all. I, I, I'd love to write a poetry book that my fellow academics admire. Um, but be honest with yourself and go for that. 
You know what I mean? Like, what do you want? A big marketing machine behind you? For what? To, to reach who? Oh, but you know, then I could be famous. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I've gotten on my high horse, haven't I? Wow. I didn't, I didn't expect that to happen. By following the hearts of people who love certain types of poetry, you can branch out and discover more. But if you decide to um, stay in your alley of prosody. Alley of prosody? Oh my God, I'm a genius. <laughs> alley of prosody. Okay, my next book of poems should be called <laughs> The Alley of Prosody. <laughs> I'm like, you know, I have a vision of this alleyway and all of these like really like elderly white male professors are like wandering around in the days <laughs> and they keep bumping into the dead end because it's a dead end alley yeah but the thing is that you really like prosody as well well i like love the prosody the disadvantage that you're at here is that i know you <laughs> and have prosody. been in classes with you where you really give a fuck about whether this line is perfect iambic pentameter or not yes. So. But you see, I have enough self-confidence in my love of prosody to know that it doesn't mean that I have to shit on everything and every other poet who doesn't love prosody. I mean, this is a pretty epic mic drop. Like, I, 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 you've, you've stumped me. That's <laughs> an interview. I'm just like, I'm scared. <laughs> I, <laughs> I feel confused and worried about my approach. To most things. <laughs> so far. Oh my God, Alice. I've gone on and on. <laughs> I want to read you this uh, poem that I came across the other month. Uh, it is a New Yorker poem. Um, and yeah, one of the things I was thinking about when you were texting me saying poetry and I are fighting, I don't think I love him anymore and I may have to move out. <laughs> um was was the fact that like reading um New Yorker poems I'm I'm often like pretty much always unimpressed um and tend to kind of, I'm at a point now where I tend to kind of hate read them but I'm really comfortable with that like I never think oh maybe I don't love poetry anymore mm -hmm, mm -hmm. um because my default is always like most of it's going to be dross. Mm. Uh, and I, I don't know if I can say that I mean that in a value neutral way, but I really just mean like it's just churn and that's fine because what's churn for me will not necessarily be for you, but um, there was this poem that was published in November 2021. So that's about when we last spoke on here, I think. Um, and it kind of is about this, which is maybe why I liked it. So I'll read it to you. So it's called Thin Air by Linda Gregerson. I don't know anything about her. Do you know her? No, I never heard of her. Mm. 
Okay, all right, so as I recall, the play was mediocre. Late, low energy from one who ought to have honoured the work of his better days in better form. We were bored. We were waiting to be released. When, in one of those moves that throws the poor actors like meat on the fire, he must have written, starts to cry. And she did, and did not stop. And when the character beside her asked with faint disgust, just what do you think you're crying for? The question was fair if cruel, because it lacked all preparation. It was cheating. We hadn't been made to care on stony ground. And that's when it happened. And somehow, that was why as well, the utterly improbable, three or four times in a lifetime thing we come here for, the God from a machine for whom we hope to be the congregants. Because, she said, still crying, I'm unhappy. And the moment was majestic. We were crying too, or I was, in the presence of the one true conjuration, which is something out of nothing, which is mother grief and loneliness on earth assuaged, confessedly premised on pure technique, the from us but not of us, which is why we call it make-believe. Mm. Yeah, I, I really like that because it um, kind of sums up for me like it makes it okay the thing that we're sort of talking about which is most of the thing is gonna suck in this case she's talking about theater mm, mm. which god knows <laughs> <laughs> right <laughs> but when theater's good there's nothing that can replace yes. what it does and the same is true of poetry Yes. Um, yeah. So I was I was really happy with that one. It's the only New Yorker poem in six months that I've cared about at all, but I've come back to it multiple times. Uh, don't know anything about Linda. Wish her the best. Hope she doesn't mind that I read her poem in full. Oh. <laughs> no, I think she'd love it. And I see, you see, now I'm in this habit, so I see it's from her new book that's just come out in March called Canopy. So see, I would, I would go and, um, and find her book. See, I wouldn't. Yeah, see, that's, <laughs> just, a, that's a different, it's a different mentality. Um, it's, it's because of, uh, um, it's, I think it's because of, uh, I've been in the prose world. And so like, you know, you, you read an excerpt and you're like, oh, okay, I'll, I'll get the book. Got to read the rest. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, no, I get that I mean, for sure. Then you're gonna... Yeah, it's um, it's so true, isn't it? I mean, most of the stuff. It is. It's very depressing. It's the same with prose. Most of the stuff you read, like BookTube, has this. They call it um, DNF. Did not finish. <laughs> And so like, oh, I, I DNF that. Ah. Like I was so close to DNFing it. That's what the young people <laughs> say nowadays, apparently, Alice. But I don't think it's depressing at all. Like, it doesn't depress me at all if, if yeah. most, of it's, most of it's just forgettable, like, whatever. That's, that's fine. That doesn't... Because, like, 
Think about music, for example, yeah. like pop music is so much shit. Oh my God. Just oh, like so mountains true. and mountains of stuff being like pumped through the internet every day. But then you get Love Again by Dua Lipa and it's like, <laughs> yes. I love Dua Lipa. Yeah, so like, and yes, and she's got a massive marketing machine behind her as well. But like, um, the evil marketing machine. <laughs> yeah, I don't, I just don't think it's relevant. Um, what, what the, um, that there's a lot of stuff. That there's a lot of. Stuff that doesn't connect. That yeah. I don't know that that is even worth. Like that's just a given to me. Oh, that's a very healthy attitude. Yeah, I'm pretty healthy. Yeah. In general. <laughs> yeah. No, I think that is a healthy attitude. That there's just stuff that I'm not going to enjoy. I think part of it is that I have these incredibly high standards, not in the sense of um, wanting something that's very high quality. I mean, I have high, I, I expect, I kind of, it's as if I have all the poets, all the contemporary poets in front of me, and I turn to them and I go, entertain me. You know, like I'm some sort of queen and they don't entertain me. It's boring and I like off with their heads. 